passage, um, we uh, it talked about um, considering our our trials joy, right? And the reason we can is because it produces something called perseverance. That's the fruit of it. And to me, when I first read that, it sounded a little bit like a silver lining, right? Like uh, people say when you have, you see the dark storm clouds come, you know, uh, even the darkest cloud is a silver lining. And the silver lining to me is kind of like a consolation prize. It's like when somebody goes into a game show and they could have won a car. And instead, they got bring home like a box of soap, right? You know, at least they have something, right? It's, it's, it's really a letdown. It's like, well, you know, you, you have a flood and, you know, the silver lining is, you know, now you don't have to mow your lawn because it's gone, right? So, so sometimes silver linings to me are, are things that are kind of like, well... I guess it's the optimist trying to find something good, something bad. Because you really know that the silver lining in a cloud really isn't silver, right? It's just where the sun is blocked out the least, right? And, and really, when we look at this and we say, all right, uh, joy, we find joy in our, in our trials because it produces perseverance. The fruit there, to me, that, that fruit is kind of like papaya. I don't know if you ever had papaya, but it's disgusting. You know, it's a fruit, but who wants it? I mean, am I the only one that's ever read scripture? You're like, okay, fruits of the spirit, perseverance, long suffering. Those are two that I really could do without, right? They're like papaya, right? Of all the fruits, I would be just as glad if I didn't have to have those. Well, we're going to read today in the passage of this. You're going to see why actually that fruit isn't like papaya. Why it's, it's not just silver linings. When, when, when James tells us to have joy in the midst of our trials, it's not just that the perseverance, that's not the end. That's not what we're after. But in order to see that, let's get to the passage and let's read from today's word. And we're going to talk about exactly why we can have joy in the midst of all kinds of trials. Our passage today comes to us from James. It's uh, 1, 1 through 4. Says this, James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes scattered amongst the nations. Greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance. Oh, no. Go back. Go back. Okay. I'm considering it pure joy. Because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. For crying out loud, that is uh, not lacking anything. I don't know what's happening with that this morning. We'll figure that out. Uh, (laughs) That's very good. You know, I'm just going to preach off of my notes here. So... (laughs) Are you kidding me? All right. So why can we fit? I guess we are. That was like the world's fastest sermon. I have no idea. That is the weirdest thing. And there's nobody up there. So I know that Ray's not like down there, like messing with me or nothing. I have no idea what's happening. All right. So why can we face joy in the midst of of our trials? Well, the first one is um, in that passage. What did you see that what does perseverance provide for us? I'm going to try to bring it up here. Bring it here. Do it. Do it now. No. 
Okay. I see you. I see you. There you go. Let perseverance finish its work so you may become mature, complete, not lacking anything. There's a reason for perseverance. There's, there's a power in it that uh, we have. Perseverance is not the end. It lets us become mature, complete, so we don't lack anything. That's the goal, right? And so let's talk, why is it different than a silver lining? Well, the first thing on there, the first two verses that you see, is that verses 1 and 2, they talk about believers are going to experience trials. Uh, it's just going to happen. Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. Not if. Jesus said, in this world, you will face trouble. It's just, it's a given, right? Now, the thing is, it's not just for Christians that face difficulties and troubles, right? Everybody faces trouble because this world is broken. That's what happened when we sinned. With sin, we brought trouble, brokenness, all this kind of stuff in the world. The difference for a Christian is there is purpose in our suffering, right? Where the non-believing world can only look to silver linings, to try to find some kind of consolation in things, Christians know this. One, we're going to face trouble. It's there. But there's a difference in it. Our trouble has purpose. It has meaning. People oftentimes, including myself, I tell you what, uh, when I started going down this uh, path, when, when trouble and suffering really started coming into my life, I was at first shocked. And I thought, where is God? You ever have that? And I have this oftentimes when somebody goes into, uh, is, goes into a time where they have to face horrible suffering. And they wonder, did God abandon me? Right? Is somehow God missing in this? No. No, God isn't missing. See, so the thing is, is that for a believer, our suffering isn't the evidence that God is gone. Our suffering is proof that he's with us. God brings or allows us to have difficult things because he's got a purpose for it in us. The difference between a Christian and a non-Christian is the sufferings that come into a non-believer's life, it's just mostly part of this world. There's, they don't doesn't have to be a rhyme or reason to it. But if you are a child of God and you suffer, it's because our Heavenly Father, our loving Heavenly Father, said there's something in this that is far more valuable that you're going to get out of it, right? That promise doesn't exist for everybody, but only those that are, that are children of the King. If he calls you to something, if he allows suffering in your life, he's doing something in you and through you and for you that someday you will, you will actually say thank you for. It's not a silver lining. He's making you perfect in this. And so when I face trouble, it's not as though I say, well, God, how did this happen? God promised me. He promised me, you will face it whenever you face trials. God is not gone. He's not an abandon you. He's not missing. He's not somehow off his throne. God is very present. In fact, the evidence of God in your life oftentimes is very much the very sufferings that we question him by, right? But aren't those those things that later on in your life, have you ever gone through a suffering, a difficult time, a trial, and then you found God there? And your faith was strengthened? That, that some kind of character flaw that had been ruining your family, your, your lives, your relationships with other things, you go through a trial and all of a sudden you become changed? Right? And then you step on the other side and you make it through it and you say, wow, I see how God was working with me. Who I am now is worth going through that? 
And there are some trials, there are some things in this world that we suffer that are so painful, so hard, so that we endure and endure and endure. And in this life we'll say, I see good things for it, and yet I still wouldn't have asked for it. Like I wouldn't have traded these good things. I feel like I've got a consolation. Here's the good news with that, is that God actually said he rewards those things, right? Our endurance. There's a reward. That's why we went through heaven first. In order to understand this, promise that we have that suffering that we can have join it we have to have good understanding of the theology of heaven right that there is purpose in that that there is if we're going to suffer and even in this world there are a few sufferings that are just too hard we say where's god in it and i don't like it we know that there's a time coming that the reward will be so great that we will consider whatever it was that we suffered to be tiny compared to the reward that we have we say i would totally do that again but the first thing we need to realize, though, is that suffering isn't weird as a Christian, right? And I think it's so important for us to have that, to understand. As we come to church, oftentimes we like to, we don't, people don't want to be whiners, right? We don't always want to, so we come to church and we, and we go, we see other Christians and we try to put on a happy face. And sometimes when we are suffering, we don't want to share that. It's like we have to be embarrassed by the fact that somehow suffering came into our life. <laughs> like it's weird. Like it's strange. Like if God really loved us, we wouldn't be suffering or something like that. And James reminds us, he sets us free from that lie. Whenever you face trials. If you're not facing trials in your life, then you better watch out. Because right? how is God working? Where is God at? You know, the, uh, C.S. Lewis talked about, um, he said that the, the easiest road to hell, like if he was Satan, he'd say that I would make the road to hell as, bride, as wide and as level and smooth as possible with no signposts, nothing to, to mark the way, right? To make it as gentle and easy to walk, right? And that's really what Christ talks about. Uh, he said the road to destruction is wide, Right? But the way the life is narrow and difficult, if you find it, to understand that in this world you will have trouble and that's okay. And so we can express that when difficulties come into our lives as Christians, as brothers and sisters, we don't have to hide that. We don't have to be embarrassed by the fact that difficulties have come our way. That we, we are hurting that we have to endure, that there is something called perseverance that's necessary in our life. That's normal. It's it's a it's a evidence that we're on the right path. The second point uh, from that is that you're going to grow through those verses three through four. It says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kinds, <laughs> right? Because you know that your, your your trials will produce perseverance. You're going to grow. That's the difference between a Christian and non-believer. An unbeliever, they may grow through difficulties. Right? Just out of nature. But a Christian, you're designed to grow through them. You have a God who's walking with you through it. The Holy Spirit is in you, working with you, helping you grow. You will not face difficulties in this life and come out mangled. You will come out stronger. Because God is in you and He has called you an overcomer. That is a powerful, wonderful promise. That is a very hopeful thing. But... 
let's, let's leave it with this little caveat in there. You have to be willing to work with the Holy Spirit. Right? You will grow through it, but you have to cooperate with Him. When you get a gift, any gift, you can do three things with it. You can squander the gift. Just waste it. You know, uh, you could take it, throw it in the garbage, put it in, in the garage, bury it with something like that. You know, re-gift it, do something. You can, you can waste it. And if you waste the gift, you received the gift, but you didn't receive any benefit of it, did you? Okay, so that's the first option. Anytime you receive a gift, you can waste it. The second option you can do is you can enjoy the gift. Right? And the gift was given for the purpose of being enjoyed. So you can take it and, and you can use it however it was meant to be used and you can enjoy it for yourself. And that's a wonderful thing. That's what it was made for. But if you do that, the, the result of this, you, you got the gift, you received the gift, you've already received the benefit of it and it's over, right? That's, or you can invest the gift. If you get the gift and you receive it and you think to yourself, this is a wonderful thing. How can I use it to benefit others? How can I benefit God with this, right? Now you've taken the gift and you invested it, right? And so then your investment of that gift, if you're using it, whatever it is, to benefit other people, all of a sudden you're going to reap a reward that's different than the gift itself, right? If you invest it in the kingdom, there's, there are kingdom rewards for those things. You have an option, all of us do, every time you receive any type of gift. How do you use it? Now, the thing is, it's not, uh, there is one clearly bad way to use it. You can always waste it. There's nothing good that ever comes of that. But the other two, it's not like you're so much better if you always invest the gift, right? No, none of us are superhuman, right? God doesn't just give us things. People don't give us things so we can always just invest in other people, right? We're, uh, it's not wrong to enjoy some things. Some gifts that God gives you, it's okay to say, you know what? This one's just for me. This one I'm going to enjoy, Right? You ever woken up on a Sunday morning and you're leaving for church and it's like the spring and the sun is coming. That's the only time I see the sun come up. Um, and the sun's coming up and it's just a beautiful sunrise and you think, wow. Sometimes that's just for me, right? Sometimes there are joys in your life that people bring to you and you don't have to invest them into other things. It doesn't make you bad. It doesn't make God's not displeased with you when you enjoy the gift. That's why he gave it to you. But if we're only always just taking the gifts ourselves and just enjoying them, well, then we only receive those rewards, right? There have to be some things in our life that we strategically, purposefully invest. Your sufferings are a gift. Consider it pure joy. If you can just endure, like, well, you can, you can throw away that gift of suffering. You can become bitter through it, right? You can waste it. God has given you this gift and you can say to God, I don't want anything to do with this. And you become mad and angry and, and hurtful and resentful with it. And you just are angry about it. You can waste that gift and you can receive no benefit of it. Neither you nor anybody else. Now, that's really the bad way of doing it. You can endure. Right? You can just endure. And so, you know, I'm going to make it through this. Jesus is coming back. <laughs> I'm not really going to invest this thing, but I'm just going to endure it. I'm going to live through it. You know what? Sometimes that's enough. Sometimes in our life, when God gives us that gift of suffering, it's all we can do just to hang on. Hang on to the promise, just endure. Right? And that's okay. But there are sufferings in our life that we have that we also have a chance to invest from them. Right? This is what this verse is talking about. 
Are you enduring? Are you investing? You know, you're going to grow through, the, through your sufferings. God is in you. As long as you choose not to waste it, even if you just endure, he's growing a fruit in you called perseverance. And that perseverance is perfecting you. This is an amazing thing. You're going to come out of it stronger. All you have to do is choose not to waste it. You, sometimes you, all you have to do is say, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give up on God. I'm not going to give up on this. I'm going to endure. All kinds of trials. Could be somebody really slow driving in front of you all the way down the canyon. Or, right, and that's a suffering. Right? And just endure it. Sometimes it's illness. Sometimes it's bankruptcy. Sometimes it's loneliness. Sometimes it's sadness. Some things you just have to say, you know what? I'm going to endure. I'm going to endure. And I will grow. But then there are times you can invest it. There are some sufferings that you face, like even little ones, like the slow person driving down the canyon, which happened to me. That's a real story, which you all believe could happen to you too. Normally, I get frustrated because like, i got to get down there. I don't want to be here. That's why I'm in a car because I want to be somewhere else, right? I'm trying to get there. And, so many, and then that suffering, all of a sudden, I thought, I will invest this. And so I started praying for all of you. And God gave me an hour and a half, literally an hour and a half to drive 20 miles. And you all were prayed for. How cool is that? Can you invest... You're suffering. Can you grow through it? Because you will grow through it. You just have to let God work with you. The last part is that verse 4, I love that. It says that uh, you're going to overcome your trials. You overcome. Remember last week's memory verse. He who testifies of these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. God wins. Does that not just give you goosebumps? It gives me goosebumps. God wins. We're on his side. We are overcomers. There are trials that we will face in this life that seem insurmountable, and God surmounts them. Right? There are mountains in our life that just seem just too big. There are tidal waves of pain that sometimes feel like they're going to wash us away, but they will not wash you away. That's the difference between us and the unbeliever. We have a God who is with us. We have a God... He brings those waves in just to show us he can rescue us. Sometimes he brings the waves so he can show us that we can swim, right? Sometimes he grows us through it, but we will grow and we will overcome. Think about the trials that you have in your life, because you have them, right? We all do. We're all suffering something. Look at those sufferings and say, and ask God, what are you doing in this? Where are you? Because he is there. Right? If you're suffering, he's active in your life. And be asking him, God, how can I use this? Help me hang on. Help me hang on. But if there is a way that I can use this, Lord, show me. That's a courageous prayer. And it's based upon the faith to know that you will overcome it. There is nothing that you face that overcomes you. Because we are owned by a God who has overcome everything. That's why Jesus said, in this world you have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. What a great God we have. This morning as I bring this first sermon on James to a close, and I apologize that my, my slides were weird this morning, but what I would like you to do is to think about 
how can you overcome your trials? So take out this green card that you have. And on the back, there are some next steps, some things to do. The first is, maybe you just need to memorize James 1, 2 through 3. To remember that you will face trials, but you know what? You're going to overcome them, and they will produce perseverance. But keep that perseverance in context. It is not papaya. It is good stuff. That fruit is producing in you perfection. So maybe this week you commit to memorizing that first verse from James to remind yourself daily that the trials that you face now, they will be overcome. That you can hold on. Maybe it's to pray for an unbeliever. Share Christ with somebody. You know how scary this world would be if you didn't know God was with you in it? If you didn't know a God that you could talk to who actually overcame the world, who's working with you and through you with these things? Well, life would be terrifying. There are so many people that we know, that we live around, that are in this community who do not know the power of Christ. The thing is that we're not special because somehow we were better. We're special because God is awesome. And God has invited everybody. Now, we live around people and know people that, that live far away from God and don't have His hope in them. Maybe there's somebody in your life that, <laughs> that you know, you need to be praying for. They're going through difficulties and trials, but they don't have this promise like you have. Maybe it's time that you're able to use your shared suffering or to see what they're in to be able to bring the hope of Christ into their life. Maybe there's something you need to talk to or pray about. Let me know, because I'll be praying for you this week as you prepare to talk to them and you share your hope of Christ. Maybe what you need to do is come these next five weeks. <laughs> this week's week one, so you only have five more to go, but through the series of James. Growing strong in Christ. You know, as we go through this series, as we look at the book of James and how it says that we grow strong in Him, maybe you say, you know what, I need to be here. I need to be part of this. I'm going to commit to coming for the next five weeks so I can grow. Or maybe it's just listing three joys that can come from your sufferings. You say, God, and you know what, maybe you need to pray about that before you actually list them down and say, God, what are, this? What are the more than silver linings in this? Because you don't want to just list silver linings. Say, God, what are the joys? That, what are you doing in the midst of my trials? And just to have that reminder to see God there. Why did we put that there? Because it will build your faith. When you see God working through your difficulties, it will let you know that he's working. He'll always be working in your life. So maybe that's what you need to list. Maybe there's something else that you need to do. If that's it, let us know what it is. I'll be praying for you this week. But right now, be marking down what is it that you can be doing this week with your trials, your difficulties, your sufferings. What are you committing to? And in just a couple minutes, uh, Larry's going to pray for the offering, and then we're going to take the offering. You can drop these green cards in there. But let us know, what are your next steps this week? And we'll be praying for you, which is a great thing. Uh, now, I want you to know that as we, uh, before I finish here, uh, as we go through this series on uh, James, uh, it is my prayer. And I've been, I've been preparing for this for, for quite some time. In fact, I finally got my outline totally done for the whole series, and uh, it took me a lot longer than I anticipated because James is a deep book. Like, James, it was not my favorite book. A lot of people love it, but I was like, wow, he, he shoots straight, like really straight. But he does, doesn't he? And yet, the power in this book to help us grow and overcome is phenomenal. And I just encourage you, just 
make it a point to be coming, but don't just listen to the messages in this. Read the book of James, because I can't preach every line through this. I'd be like a year and a half. Read the book of James. Ask God to show you, to help you grow through this. Take advantage of this time, right, for God to help us grow as a church, as a community, as believers, as individuals in Christ. Let us grow strong in Him. Okay? Let's do that. All right. If you would mind, just join me in prayer, and then Larry will, will pray for the offering. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you give us joy despite everything. Everything that's broken, Father, you can, you can fix. Because you are a good and a powerful God. Father, I, uh, I look into your word here and, and I confess that there are times where, you know, perseverance just didn't sound all that appetizing to me, Father. But you know what's best. And I thank you that endurance and the difficult things, that love that you show us that can be kind of tough, you do it because you're changing us into the people that you know we were meant to be. That you're drawing out the best in us, and Father, you're removing the the rough parts. Father, help us as a congregation to love one another through it, because it could be maybe a hard road. We can be sore in the midst of us, so give us compassion for one another. But Father, I also pray that you give us that endurance. Help us to have your heart in the midst of these things, to know that you are good despite bad things, to know that you are doing great things, even when things are hard. Father, let us trust you. Let us have words to pray, uh, to cry out when we...